Immersive Audio Podcast. In conversation with industry thought leaders, practitioners, artists, academics, and entrepreneurs, discussing all aspects of this rapidly evolving industry, from art, science, and business, to practical insights and project case studies. We aim to inform, educate, explore, and unite the community. Welcome to the Immersive Audio Podcast, brought to you by 1618 Digital. Today, host Oliver Cadell is joined in our studio by Steve Snooks. Steve is a sound designer and artist and runs an indie record label. He works at Subpack, where he is involved with partnership development and sales in Europe. Today, Snooks tells us all about haptics and the technology behind Subpack. He speaks about its uses in production and recreating physical environments, as well as its uses in health and wellness and the therapeutic value of low frequencies. Steve Snooks, welcome Hello. to the Immersive Audio Podcast. How are you doing, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Good to see you. Thanks for stopping by. No worries at all. Steve, I heard you guys recently moved to Rattle. Yes, indeed. So, um, you know, previously we was in Soho and now we're over at Tobacco Dock in East London uh, amongst a really good selection, a really nice little collective of music and tech startups. Um, I haven't really had the opportunity to dive in and, you know, meet everyone, but yeah, it's it's amazing. There's some really good people down there. How's that going? It's great. We've got studios. Um, like I say, you know, there's lots of little startups, loads of tech, music. It's all music related, basically. Um, we've had some really exciting mentors that have come down and spoke with us. Um, yeah, there's there's so many people in the mix there. Like I say, I really haven't, you know, utilized the facilities yet or met everyone there, but um, the studios are great. Um, there's going to be some really exciting things that are going to come out of it. Sounds like a perfect place for you guys to be, given the fact that you're audio-dedicated company as well. Yeah, indeed. It's, it's almost perfect. It is perfect. When, when I first found out about it, it was like, we have to be there. And yeah, you know, a couple of weeks ago we moved in, and um, yeah, back to East London, where I was sort of brought up. Had enough of Soho, basically. We had like a little cupboard in the middle of Soho, so we've outgrown that. Yeah, so it's, it's good to be in East London now. Is it quite a big place? Um, is it already filled up or there's still loads of room? It's, it's a really cool space. So, I mean, you know, for people that have heard of Tobacco Dock, obviously, you know, the, the history of, of that sort of area and Wapping, it's huge. And the Rattle have only got maybe, you know, one little corner of it. There's less than, you know, 15 different companies involved where we are. And, you know, the, the way that it's looking at the moment, I can see it really expanding and, and becoming quite a big thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's really exciting. Right, my first question, as usual, I'm quite curious to hear about your personal journey. How did it all start for you? How did you get into audio industry? Your educational background, does it relate to audio? And then the whole transition to your role at Satpak. Can you tell us more? Um, well, I'm a musician and a sound designer. Um, you know, grew up playing instruments. Always loved music. Always. I've always been into music. And I know it sounds like a really stereotypical sort of trope to say, you know, my father's record collection of music in the house. But really, you know, I grew up with such a selection of different music, but I'm heavily into electronic music and, you know, grew up with drum and bass and going to raving. And um, I was in bands when I was younger. And it got to a point where I, I decided I don't want to work with other people. I want as much, you know, control, creative control. So I, I went to study recording arts. So, that, you know, I could, I could be the guy on both sides. I could control a desk. I could mix, I could engineer, as well as being the musician. And then, you know, worked in retail for quite a few years in pro audio. And then I kind of got my break working at Black Market Records. And I was a record buyer 
uh, you know, drum and bass, garage, dub and reggae. And I was I was at Black Markets for maybe six or seven years. Um, and at that point, you know, one of the founders of Subpack, he was going on a journey across Europe, showing off, you know, this concept. At that point, it had just finished on Kickstart. And I met him in the record shop and, you know, the rest is history. You know, we got on really well. I wanted to get involved with Subpack the moment that I tried it, the moment that I actually was like, this is, you know, it's an extension of, of the type of technology that, you know, that I, I like to use, you know, and to go, to go out to raves and to experience music, physical music on sound systems and to be able to get that and have it in, a, in another context, you know, or in places where you can't have a sound system. So, yeah, that, that's kind of my journey, really, you know, physical music. That's really interesting. And it's actually a perfect segue to my next question about the Satpak. So I would love you to talk a little bit more about the product and the technology. Can you give us an overview of a Satpak for general listeners and uh, you know things they might not know about haptics? How does it work? Okay, so um, Satpak technology is, at the moment, we're on the second generation of products, but effectively our devices enable you to monitor low frequencies. So in, in the same way that, you know, if you're, you're standing next to a big PA system or a subwoofer, you know, you, you feel sound waves, low frequencies. It, it's a physical sensation. Uh, so we have a wearable form and we have one that actually, you know, uh, attaches to the back of a chair and it basically pumps low frequencies through your body uh, very accurately um, using tactile transducers. And it's, it's a very simple concept, but it's something that, you know, you really have to physically feel to understand, you know, the depth of the sensation and the dynamics that you can get with our product. Initially, it was designed for music production, pro audio individuals. But as you are aware, you know, with a lot of other emerging technologies, especially I say emerging, VR has been about for decades, but how it's being realized now to involve haptics and physical sensation in all these experiences, it's key. You know, sound is so important and not just within the audible range. So we end up working in so many different, you know, whether it's be, you know, gaming industry. Um, we do a lot of work with deaf and hard of hearing individuals and, you know, community projects like that. Yeah, there's, there's so many directions that we can go with this technology. It's, it really is just the start of a massive journey, you know. I know that you guys are offering two key products as part of this brand. What are the main differences between the two Subpack devices that are offered and how do you find consumers are using those most? Okay, so at the moment we've got three products technically. So we have a wearable form which has been you know, adopted by you know, VR enthusiasts and gamers and a lot of live uh, musicians you know, for live use. So you've got the wearable form, it's a very similar concept to the seatback version, and it, it really is just the use cases. So a lot of people that are working in studios, engineers that are mastering or engineering or just creating music, they use the seatback, which is the Subpack S2. And then we also have a wearable form, the M2. We've just launched a new, a slightly upgraded version of the M2 called the M2X. Um, and again, it's the same principle, tactile transducers. It's kind of like a vibro-tactile material in the vest. And the new one's a little bit more powerful, less harmonic distortion and, and longer battery life, basically. But yeah, so really depending on the individual, we get a lot of people that use them, use a wearable when they're trying to accompany their front of house, you know, bassists, drummers. Um, and then the seatback one is more for gamers and people that kind of like to sit when they're working or when they're just, you know, enjoying, enjoying their sounds. But there is a major difference, you know, when you look at different territories and, and you know, which version's been adopted. In America, or like North America, the wearable's a lot more popular. And in Europe, it tends to be the seatback version. But again, you know, different people work in, in, in different ways. I like to use both, depending on, you know, what I'm doing. It's really nice to wear the vest and play bass guitar. You know, there's, there's no other way of being connected to the instrument 
so closely. So yeah, it's the same principle, but just, just different forms. What are the benefits of using Satpak for producing audio and what are the key applications at the moment that you've seen across the landscape? The most important thing, so you know, if you're if you're being very analytical with your audio, if you're engineering and mastering, some of the issues that you get with low frequencies or non-directional sound is, you know, the acoustic space, colouring the sound changing the tone or, you know, not giving you an accurate representation of what you're actually producing. So by using a sub-pack, instead of, you know, the air being fluctuated via the cone of a speaker and then bouncing off the walls, the air's not the medium anymore with a sub-pack. Your body's the medium. So it's a lot more accurate and it's a lot easier to tell exactly what you're doing. Initially, you know, the groundwork is, you know, pro audio guys. Um, but like I say, we've, we've had a lot of people that are developing games, film. You know, there's so many different forms of media that, you know, where sound is very important, especially low frequency sounds. Just to add to the, to the other question as well, not just, you know, issues with acoustics, but also being able to monitor at low volume levels. So obviously you'll, you'll see, or if anyone looks up Subpack after listening to this podcast, a lot of us come from a music background, music industry. So you've got a lot of people producing electronic music, a lot of DJs. And it's very common for people to, you know, really blast the volume levels and, you know, kind of really damage their hearing. So generally when they're pulling them volume levels up, it's to get the physical sensation. So by using a sub-pack, you can get that same sensation with the volume levels lower. So you're actually protecting your hearing, which is key. You know, for people like me and you, we work in audio. Without our ears, that's our work, you know. That's a very important thing. But, you know, again, there's there's so many different applications. It really does sort of, it boggles the mind. Um We've had some really cool partners over the last couple of years, people like Marshmallow Laser Feast, Grace Boyle, what the feel is, you know, like people that are doing these sensory explorations and, and, and VR experiences. And I think that there's so many more possibilities, you know, than just music production. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a creative industry. So it really is, a sub amazing, but depending on what you put through it, you know, that, that's, that's what makes it amazing, you know, and some of the best experiences are when our technology has been used in a really subtle manner. But yeah, so to answer your question, you know, gaming, VR, um, a lot of people that are working with healing, healing with sound, and some of the more sort of esoteric things that, you know, our technology is enabling people to do a little bit more research into. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many possibilities. Just shows that how deep and wide that sonic dimension runs across the, all kinds of aspects. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know, we're very visual beings. And sometimes we forget how important audio can be, whether it's physical or in the audible range. But, you know, a really good example, put one of your favorite films on and just turn the sound off or, you know, try and get something without a soundtrack. It's something that if you took it away, you would you very much so, you, you would notice the difference. And I think usually when you have elements like that, you only notice them when they're taken away. Um, but audio is a very, very powerful thing across all of the different mediums. And, and nowadays, now you have a lot of the game experiences and, you know, spatial sound. We're kind of at, at the edge now of all of these new formats and, and it's, it really excites me. Low frequencies and non-directional sound are a very important element of that and that's how we experience our day-to-day -day lives, you know, and people forget that. I'm actually curious to hear whether you own a device as well. Of course. I've got a collection of sub-packs. I can imagine. Prototypes and, yeah, all sorts, all sorts. What is your favorite way of using Satpak personally in your personal everyday life? Very simply, just to enjoy music. Like whenever I listen to, I, I never, I don't just use headphones and I don't just use monitors. A Satpak is always in the mix somewhere. Um, most recently, I've really enjoyed getting back playing bass guitar with a wearable Satpak. But yeah, uh, gaming, watching films, everything I do pretty much. I'm, I'm really into sort of synthesis and hardware synthesizers and things. And to just be able to noodle about and mess about with, with that sort of 
lower end of the spectrum. Um, yeah. But I would say simply just to enjoy music, you know, just I still buy and sell records, not necessarily electronic music. It can be any sort of style of music, but to just enjoy music and actually experience it, you know, a little bit closer to the producer's plan as opposed to, you know, little tinny earphones and laptop speakers. So just enjoying media, really. I know that's a really boring answer, but pretty much everything I sort of consume in terms of media, there's a sub-pack involved there somewhere. It just sort of extends that and the ability to experience sound uh, differently and just gives you that extra low end. You can feel that nuance in the lower end and which just completes the experience, I suppose. Exactly. And I think the thing is that a lot of people, you know, we're, we're not sort of adding to anything. These frequencies are in a lot of these mediums, you know, whether it's a film soundtrack, you know, with the special effects or, or you know, whether it's a game and, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. Generally, these sound designers and these composers and musicians are creating this. And our technology just enables you to actually delve into that that lower end of the, uh, of the spectrum. Yeah, it's really interesting, especially these days when a lot of people, especially younger generations, consume content on demand, on the go, smart devices, laptops, tablets, etc. Also kind of lower quality headphones, arguably. You tend to lose a lot of detail in the low frequency domain. Something like Satpak can just bring that detail back to those people because you might argue that, you know, there, there are like a certain ways, certain methods that you would recommend, you know, to get the most out of it. But for example, for a lot of people who potentially live in an urban environment in a quite small flat and and simply physically cannot put like a big sound system that's capable of producing those frequencies. That's a perfect case, you know, whether you're, whether you're making music, whether you want to watch films and that, you know, and like you say, in an urban environment, you're living close to other people, you, you know, you can't always blare the music, you can't always have a subwoofer. So it enables people to actually consume this media in, in, a, in a much better, in a better way, really. But I think for me, as a creative, you know, who comes from a background of sound system culture, to be able to educate people and, and to show them, look, there's so much more to this sort of stuff. You know, I'm not a purist by any chance, but fidelity is so important. You know, people don't realize, you know, the, the idea of, you know, highly compressed files, YouTube rips, you know, it, you can physically feel the difference between, you know, like a, a WAV or a lossless file and an MP3, you know? And that's not to say, you know, there's pros and cons on both sides. You know, it's great that people can consume music nowadays and it's very easy to find music. There's more music than ever. It's easier to create music. It's easy to distribute it, which is amazing. But sometimes we need to, you know, just sort of sit back and put a record on the turntable, you know, and actually you can feel the difference. You know, your brain has to work a lot harder while, you know, while you're actually, and there's studies to show this, you know, if you're listening to something that's highly compressed, you know, your, your brain's working harder. You, you get fatigue. From, from listening to things like that, that are highly, you know, highly compressed. But again, like I say, I'm not a purist. There's, there's great, there's pros and cons to both sides. But if you ever do get a chance to, you know, just listen to a really good record, like a dub record with a sub pack, there's nothing like it. It, it is, it's one of the most amazing things for me anyway. Yeah. I'm wondering what are the most interesting VR projects that you've seen sub pack being used in, in recent years or months? So... Uh, I mentioned a couple of partners that we had um, earlier. Uh, so Marshmallow Laser Feast. I don't know how to describe what these guys do. I mean, they're a collective of artists and they work across all different you know, types of media. But they they done a recent project in Montreal. There was multiple locations, room scale VR. They was dropping bowling balls onto gongs and recording that. And there was microphones so that when you spoke, it would create a virtual representation of, of what you were saying. And then waves, just look them up. It's crazy, you know. They're, they're so out there. And another partner, uh, Grace Boyle, under Feelies, um, she's been doing projects with Greenpeace. 
an amazing cause. You know, the, the, the whole project, you know, in the Amazon basin, in a way, she, she, was, she was measuring and taking data, you know, whether it's smells, physical sensations, audio recordings, binaural, to, you know, really put you into a specific place in order to, you know, raise awareness of this group of people that are basically going to be, their whole life is going to be changed because of, you know, um, a dam that's going to be built in, in the Amazon rainforest. And again, there's a lot of studies that show the idea of creating presence in VR and how it affects us emotionally. So there's so many different things for me. Marshmallow Laser Feast are just completely out there. They're wild. They've done three or four projects over the last couple of years using wearable sub-packs. And again, you know, we tend to do projects that are related to trees a lot. I, I don't know what that is. Um, but there's, there's two or three partners that have done the same sort of thing. But the idea of, you know, connecting us closer with nature and to, you know, to raise empathy and, and, and to, to help people realize, you know, we need to be connected with nature a lot more. And I, I guess the physicality of subpack technology is something that works quite well in that context. But yeah, there's so many crazy projects out there. I think there's something about our physiology and the fact that, you know, the sense of vibration within us as species develop m much earlier than, you know, for example, vi visual visual data processing yeah. capabilities and like a hearing the way we know now. If there are any people out there who would question what I just said, please spare me because I'm not... I'm not <laughs> uh, but there's, there's something about that sort of Earth's vibration and yeah. connection yeah. and, you know... I think it's quite simple. I mean, you know, if, if, you, if you was to physically feel something, you know, as low frequency as like an earthquake, you know, it instills fear in you, you know, or, or, or maybe the idea of, you know, like large animals and danger, you know, low frequencies are, are quite a lot of the time are associated with, you know, fight or flight, you know, and yeah. your adrenaline gets pumping. So there's many different avenues that this sort of technology has been used, you know, to either create it. We've done some really cool projects with, you know, the label uh, Hyperdub, a guy called Code9. So he, he's got another project called Audin. And a lot of it, he specializes in, you know, the, the study of sonic warfare. And to be able to create, you know, fear in people and to put them into scenarios where they're basically shitting themselves. You know, it's the opposite of a lot of other people's work where it's to do with healing, right? Which, which it's kind of a weird thing, you know, there's two sides to that coin. Um, but it just shows you that, you know, physicality and feeling sound is, is such a primitive thing. Um, and like you say, it's something that evolved very early on. Um, and that's something, if you can tap into that in some form of experience, whether it's VR, whether it's a game, whether it's just audio, you, you can evoke some very strong emotions. And th there's going to be a lot more work and also a lot of academic research into this sort of thing using that technology. So it, it's really exciting. Um, I would definitely recommend you, you check out Code9 and the Audient project. Yeah. Um, really sort of experimental, but... Um, We've we've done some really cool stuff that you can you can have a little look on our blog on the website where you know it will give you all of the information about it. Awesome, we'll put it in our show notes. Um, sounds very intriguing. And if there's any evolutionary theorists out there who would like to correct us, um, do so. <laughs> please do. <laughs> <laughs> we we kind of started talking about it, and we went into a bit of a kind of higher concept, talking about why haptic device like SUPPAC, um, which offers this extra sensory dimension through vibration, you know, makes any experience kind of deeper and more fulfilling. But is there any research that we could talk about that supports the evidence that haptics feedback enhance the immersion of yeah, their right. any experience? The thing is, what we need to address here is that it's not necessarily an extra thing, you know. When we experience reality on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, visually, audibly, you know, I guess with VR, you've got your HMDs that will do your visuals, you've got your headphones. So 
up until now, there's maybe been a few projects and a few people that have used, you know, tactile transducers, but not in a sort of form, you know, to kind of what, what we've made and what we've made commercially available. So really, it's not like an extra sense. It's that we're, we're putting a few more pieces of the puzzle in, you know. At the end of the day, with VR and a lot of these experiences, we're trying to recreate as realistic an environment as possible. And without physical sensation and, you know, to go beyond that, localization, you know, and haptics, like you say, I mean... What we've done at Subpack is that we're very slowly pushing the whole concept of physicality. You know, there's other people, there's other companies that are working with the idea of localization, movement, but I think we're, we're quite far off with that sort of technology. We're not quite at the hollow deck just yet. So we're trying to push that concept. I'd like to cite some, you know, academic research, but the thing is, especially with our technology, a lot of these studies are still ongoing. A lot of the studies that I'm very heavily into and, and have actually looked into have been more to do with reaction times. You know, so um, I'm not sure if you're aware, we've we done a project with Peugeot. Uh, it's like a concept car and the idea of having, you know, tactile transducers within the automobile of the future. So there, there's a lot of studies into that. So, you know, you, you will react a lot quicker to a combination of visual and physical compared to just visual. So, you know, there's safe, like, uh, I guess, health and safety angle as well. Uh, and also training within VR. You've probably seen this as well. A lot of, a lot of people now, different companies that are using VR to train because it's a lot safer to, you know, to put their staff in these environments as opposed to a real world safety training environment. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to be able to say, oh, you can, you can cite this on Google Scholar and this. But honestly, if you just look up presence and immersion, the more senses that we are involving in any of these experiences, the more realistic it is the more you feel immersed, the more presence you have. I, I think that kind of goes without saying, you know, I'm, I'm not an academic by any chance, but, you know, the more more senses that I can feel in, in any of these environments or VR spaces, you know, the more realistic we're going to feel it is and we're going to feel that we're, we're more there than if those were not there, basically. No, I totally agree with that. I'm curious to hear where is SAPAC heading in 2018 and beyond? There's so many possibilities, but I have to be pretty tight-lipped, to be honest. Some of the projects that we've been involved with, you know, with quite recently, and something that is quite close um, to our hearts at Subpack is, you know, working within the deaf and hard of hearing communities. So a recent project that I was involved with is a gentleman called Chris Fonseca. He's profoundly deaf, and he's a dance choreographer. So he uses our technology, the wearable form, when he does lessons, when he's learning his own choreography or writing his own stuff. And about a week ago, we, we was filming some pieces with him and MTV. Um, and it was a big, it was like a, a major project to do with getting young women into engineering. Um, and also, you know, just educating people what engineering is. A lot of people, they, they could tend to have, you know, maybe, maybe the wrong idea of what an engineer is. There's so many possibilities within that sphere. It's so ambiguous. Um, so with, with Chris... We, we was doing a, um, some, some filming with the MTV guys and he was choreographing, uh, you know, he was, he was writing a piece and the music was speeding up and then I was doing pieces to camera talking about our technology, kind of what, we, what we're doing today. Um, but again, you know, to, to cut a long story short, working and enabling people to experience music who without a technology wouldn't be able to do it, that, that blows my mind. You know, it's, it's amazing that we can enable people like us that, you know, are on on this spectrum of hearing to, you know, be able to access low frequencies and, you know, maybe delve into those low frequencies and experiment a bit. But, you know, imagine what it's like to be profoundly deaf. You know, you, you, the only way you would experience sound would be through physicality. And because our, our technology is so accurate, you know, people can have singing lessons. People can discern the key of a song through vibrations alone. So stuff like that, that, that really, really gets me going. 
Um, and also um, another project with a gentleman called Justin Wigan. This is quite another one that's quite out there. We tend to attract people that are doing really weird stuff and quite sort of left field. So he's working on a project called The Internal Garden, where he's through some gadget, through some form of <laughs> this device, it enables you to convert signals from living plants into MIDI, and then from MIDI, obviously, you know, that, that, could, that could be any sound source or any VST synth or whatever. So basically, he's enabling people to communicate with plants and interact with plants, and the plants are communicating back via music and low vibrations. So it's kind of like an internal dialogue, really. It's kind of circular. So depending on how you interact with it or you touch the plant or even the light levels, or you know, there's so many different things, it, it will sing effectively. And he's, he's going to be doing some really cool things. So a big shout out to Justin, actually, because his project's called Life Echoes. And it, it's all to do with memory and sound and, you know, how how memory, um, how it works, basically, and how senses like smell and sound can be such strong indicators and, and you know, reminders. And you, you know what it's like, you know, there's a difference between feeling something and, and the smell. There's something about the way that our brain works with smells. You can just go, all of a sudden very, very, you know, vivid memories can be evoked from smell and physical sensations. Um, and he's doing a lot of studies with, you know, people that are either um, in prison or people that have got, you know, depression, anxiety, uh, right up to people that have, you know, got Alzheimer's. Um, and, you know, just basically using our technology and other types of audio technology to to try and help these people, you know, through through sound and through music, um, which, is, which is, you know, music's, it is a therapy. And if we can make that sensation a little bit more, you know, I guess stronger with, with the physicality of sound, then, you know, I'm hoping that it, it makes much more of a difference. Um, so that, what he's doing is, is amazing. Um, but that's something, again, that you'll be able to find out soon on our, on our blog posts where we'll update people. But again, it's, it's quite esoteric stuff. It's quite unusual um, sort of areas of, of research. Um, and also Justin will be getting, you know, there'll, there'll be some proper academic research off the back of that. Um, to see how this actually helps people, you know, in, in, in forms of therapy um, and also vibrotherapy and things like that. Yeah. yeah, that's fascinating. Wow, what a range of projects. I would love to speak to all those people <laughs> and see what they've got to say. Amazing. Steve, um, where do you see SAPPAC and Immersive Audio heading in the future? I see it in very much the same way where, you know, at the moment it's very normal to have headphones. It's very normal to have speakers everywhere. This sort of technology will be everywhere from cinemas to cars, you know, and there's so many different, like we've discussed, there's so many different ways that it can be utilized. So, for example, you know, in, in South Korea, we've got cinemas with, with our technology actually embedded in all of the chairs. We've done the concept car with Peugeot, the Fractal. We've done installations in Westfields Mall with Sennheiser. So I really do see this technology, depending, you know, the wearable form, there's no reason to say, you know, it won't be as as popular and as normal to just see people, you know, walking down the road with a sub pack, you know, just like they've got Bluetooth earbuds, you know? And I hope that it will educate people in terms of, you know, the idea of fidelity and quality of sound and also to make sure that they're looking after their ears, really. Um, so yeah, long, long-winded answer is everywhere. There's no reason why it can't be in... in every place you know if, if you can have these sort of i come from a background of raving and clubs and big sound systems if you can have that same sort of physical sensation of sound in a different space that you can't have a sound system like galleries you know 
it really should be everywhere. And, and it, it will get to that point. It's just that we're slowly sort of educating people about the idea of physicality of sound. And things like VR have really helped us push this concept. Um, so yeah, everywhere everywhere. I like that answer. And I totally agree. As we move into this experiential, multi-sensory, everything era, you know, next chapter of our lives, we're going to see more and more things like that entering the market and penetrating our everyday life. I can't see any negative things about it. I think it's great. It's just going to enrich and our experiences with various media and just going to make it more fun and you know and we'll have a deeper connection to those that's exactly what it is a deeper connection to you know the creative output of artists you know and there's no like you say it can be used it's a type of technology that could be used in different ways by different individuals but you know to enable creative people to have access to a little bit you know more of that spectrum you know it's going to do wonders you know and a lot of these things in terms of sound healing you know there's a lot of therapeutic value of low frequencies and and to be able to deliver that in a safe manner the only way that you can kind of do that at the moment you know would be with our technology so it's something that health and wellness is is a big thing for us so you know i think in this sort of highly sort of hyper connected world where there's so many things going on sometimes it can be a little bit too much so i think you know using this sort of technology to to sort of connect people with the real world again even with this technology can really make a difference you know haptic feedback industry has seen a lot of development in the last few years, as far as my experience goes anyway. I'm wondering if, do you see that as a quite competitive landscape? Do you have any rivals? Or perhaps do you see any other companies that are developing other products that tackle different kind of issues and that you can potentially collaborate with and, you know, make your offering even stronger and more holistic? Most definitely. As far as I see it, there's no competition, okay? You know, it's, it's a very niche market as it is. So anyone entering into that field is is only going to you know push the concept of what we're doing as well. Um, you know there there really isn't many commercially available products that are anywhere near you know the the sort of fidelity and the quality and the accuracy of what we do. Um, but you know there are other companies that are doing slightly smaller devices. And you know honestly, like and also this is the salesperson in me talking as well because that is something that I kind of do at Subpack as well. It's a gateway drug. You know, if if you get something and, and it's like, oh, this is great. I like the idea of, you know, tactility of this. And then you get a sub pack and you're like, whoa, this is intense or it can be really intense. Haptics is a weird one, I think, because, you know, there's a lot of sort of military use and there's a lot of sort of amazing uh, technology, but not commercially available. And I, I guess that's that's what we've really done well at Subpack. We've enabled this uh, to become, you know, something that is commercially successful. And, you know, that's off the back of music, you know, off the off the back of the creativeness of, you know, sound system culture, you know. So, yeah, I think that the next stage that really interests me is the idea of localization, movement. And, you know, when you talk to people about VR and, you know, what what is the end goal? I guess it's, you know, something like the hollow deck to be able to recreate, you know, the subtlety of wind on your skin and things like that. But there's no one doing that that I know of just yet, unless, you know, it's a government highly sort of secret thing. But yeah, I think the more that this becomes an area or like a peripheral, you know, we have hearables, and I know these sound like buzzwords, and you probably come across these like hearables, wearables, whatever. It's normal to have headphones. It's normal to have speakers. So the more people that enter into this sort of category of peripherals, the better for us. That's that's the way that I see it. Moving on to my final questions. Which project that you've been involved with are you most proud of and why? Any of the projects that have enabled, you know, people with either accessibility issues or hard of hearing or, you know, the deaf community to experience music. 
it's a major cause. You know, it's something that I, I don't think able-bodied people realize enough. You know, accessibility is in venues. We take a lot of stuff for granted. So for me, you know, I know this isn't a specific answer, but whether it's Chris Von Secca, whether it's um, the music project that we've done or anything on that sort of spectrum that enables people to access, you know, creativity or, or to make music or, or to just actually be involved in these things that would normally be quite hard for them to do, that is the stuff that gets me going. You know, that really, really gets me excited. We're, we're basically enabling a new generation of creative people to, to, to get involved. And it, it's quite a wide-ranging and, I guess, kind of an ambiguous sort of answer, but everyone deserves, you know, the opportunity to be creative. Without creativity, you know, we wouldn't be here, you know? And, and when we work with people and, and we, we, we sort of offer them our technology to, to utilise in these environments, like, that, that really gets me going. That, that really makes me happy. And that's stuff that gets me up in the morning. It's, it's nice to work with producers and engineers and, you know, producers and whatever but we're talking about potentially you know an untapped generation of creatives and who knows what they're going to make in the future these are people that have a slightly different view you know they, they, they don't think necessarily in the same way um you know because of their backgrounds um and i think i should take this as an opportunity to big up chris fonseca as well you know i mean imagine imagine being a dance choreographer and being profoundly deaf you know that's crazy and i, I think for me sound is so important that i can't imagine what it would be like to even have a, a, a section of my hearing, you know, the frequency band sort of pulled down and, and not be able to experience music in that way. So, yeah, just you know, working with people with wide-ranging disabilities and to enable them to make and to experience media in general. That's what we really like to do. Yeah, that's very humbling, isn't it, to get that sort of perspective of a person who suffers for something that you can't even imagine to live with and yeah. just opens your eyes. It's an area of thing, you know, like assistive technology, um, it's something that until I got involved in Subpack, the only the only thing I ever experienced, you know, going to raves when I was growing up, you you would get people that were deaf or you know that that would want to be near the speakers, and obviously you know that's how they they can get some form of feedback from the music. But now they can do that wherever they are with a Subpack. It's great for us, you know, we can whack a bit of dubstep and drum and bass on and enjoy it without annoying our neighbours. But it's changed these people's lives. And I hope that we continue to do that. And, you know, if anyone's listening to the podcast now and, you know, whether they've got accessibility issues, they can't, you know, they're hearing or whatever it may be, you know, feel free to reach out to us. We definitely want to be involved in those communities and whatever charitable cause it is, we want people to be able to feel music and sound, whoever you are, wherever you are. Um, and I think that's what our technology enables us to do. That's an amazing point to finish, but I've got one more question. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. You've worked across uh, multiple industries and now you are in a, this unique position where you're always in touch with you know all kinds of people and companies that do unusual things. And you must be learning a lot and you know experiencing it's a too lot of unusual... It's too much to take in. There's so much stuff going on. Like, it really is. I should let you finish the question. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I, th I think I'm asking too many questions in, in, in one question. But in, in simple words, where I'm going with this is, I'm just curious to hear what piece of advice would you give to someone who is young and aspiring individual and would like to get into the industry? What would be that thing that you could pass on to another person? I find it so hard to give advice. First thing, don't take, like, don't take any advice from people. Experience stuff yourself. Try stuff. For me, my personal journey, you know, and I'm not saying anyone should do this or whatever, but what has helped me is to always uh, gravitate around things that I love and that I enjoy. Um, and I think I've just been very lucky 
to have, you know, got on this journey that I have, you know. But I've I've always been interested in music and sound and and people and groups and 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 creativity. And so, okay, my main advice is find what you love. Okay, try stuff, do as many things as you can within reason, <laughs> and um, find what you like and what you don't like. You know, there's no wrong, there's no right. The role that I have at Subpack, I've kind of, you know, I, I head up sales. I I do sort of the more tech related stuff. I do demos. You know, I deal with artists and partnerships. And it's quite a wide range of things, but the, the common thing amongst all of them is just, you know, dealing with people and creativity. So I just stick, not stick to, but just find things that you really love and that you enjoy. And what's the worst that could happen? You might get really bad pay, but you're, you'd be doing something you enjoy. So yeah, m- my advice to young people, you know, like I'm that old, really, <laughs> um, is just you know, gravitate around things that you love. You can't go wrong um, if you, if you do that. And you know, just try and find people that you enjoy working with. And I guarantee that there'll be some great things that you can dig into, you know, along that path. Thank you. Where can our listeners find out more about Satpak or perhaps go and experience that physically themselves? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's the key thing. You do need to try Satpak. But um, if you want to have a little look at the website, subpac.com, um, there's a great list of loads of musicians, producers, engineers, creatives that you know you may recognize and that you you know respect enough to go, okay, you know what, I'm just going to buy it without trying it. But if you do want to try it, we've got pro audio shops in London. Um, if you look on our website, you'll see all of the you know retailers that are available in your territories across Europe or wherever you may be. And also keep an eye out, you know, film festivals, you know, VR experiences, um, places like Digital Catapult that, you know, are helping the sort of digital economy in the UK. So many creative and cool people are using our technology. I'm sure if you do a little bit of research, you'll, you'll find somewhere where you can actually try it out. And if all else fails, you can just hit me up and, and I'll, I'll come and meet you and I'll give you a subpack demo. Steve Snooks, it's been a great pleasure. My pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for stopping by and talking to me. No worries at all. Thank you. You've been listening to the Immersive Audio Podcast hosted by Oliver Cadell with guest Steve Snooks. This episode was produced by Gillian Duffy, Oliver Cadell and Giacomo Corpino and included music by Nobs Bergamo. If you enjoyed listening, please go to Apple Podcasts and rate, review and subscribe. Visit 1618digital.com to access the show notes, other episodes and any bonus content. Follow us at 1618digital on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening.